really appreciate uh, Jeremy and Teddy sharing the last couple of weeks. Jeremy and uh, two weeks ago, and then Teddy last week. Really appreciate that. Um, got to hear Jeremy's. I thought it was just awesome, and, and uh, started listening to Teddy's, and I got distracted, so I can't wait to hear all of Teddy's. But I just really appreciate them uh, speaking when when we're at soccer tournaments. Jake's doing really good, but it's, it's like soccer every everywhere. <laughs> He's in Miami right now playing a soccer game. He's just like every weekend. Yeah. But um, anyway, it's good to be back. And the Lord willing, I'm going to try to start the book of Hebrews today. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, we're going to go. Um, Russ Parker gave me a really good, um, good encouragement about the whole. Because I was, I was a little troubled for some reason about taking Hebrews verse by verse, you know, page by page, and Russ said, just let the Spirit lead and just hit as the Spirit speaks, and I really felt a witness with that. So unlike we did Galatians, now Galatians we did verse by verse, and we did the whole book, you know, every single verse, verse by verse, and I intend to do every single verse in Hebrews also, Um, but I just feel like there's a, Hebrews is kind of a different, it's written differently. In fact, in the middle of the book, he goes, now the main point is this, and it's like... So you'd like to know the main point before you start the book. But, so anyway, I'm going to let the Spirit lead us in this and, and uh, see what happens. But um, the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, is an amazing letter. It's an amazing letter. And it answers so many questions if we understand the letter properly. It's, it's an amazing letter. You, you may hear theologians say, or pastors say, the book of Hebrews is a difficult book. You know, I hear that all the time. It's a difficult book to, to teach from or read. You know, it's not difficult. It's just amazing. And when it's amazing, sometimes we don't believe it. And it becomes difficult because we don't believe it. But it's just amazing. So let's jump, jump into it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that penned that letter and... Let the light of the Spirit open that letter up to you in a way that you've never seen it before, perhaps. I almost, I had this, this mental image driving over here that the letter to the Hebrews, when you open your Bible, light should shine from that letter. And music should come from that letter. A new song. A new and living way. A door has been opened that will never be shut. Lord, thank you for helping us see what is in the letter to the Hebrews. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would open our eyes. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord, of this awesome reality that you have accomplished. Let us hear the new song of heaven. Let us perceive the open door. Let us understand that the veil has been rent. Let the Holy Spirit show us that the way into the holiest is now manifest. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the reality of what Jesus did. And who you are, Lord, in us. 
Thank you for the power to see the unseen. Amen. Sometimes I just like to remind us, remind us of things before we get going because remember the Spirit of God, the Scripture says that the, in the book of Revelation that the great eagle took the woman to a place prepared of God to hide her from the face of the serpent. Revelation 12 talks about in symbolic language the two wings of the great eagle took the woman, the church, the believers, to a place prepared by God, which is in Christ himself, where she is nourished and protected from the face of the serpent. And the two wings of the great eagle, I believe, refer to, I believe, of course, the great eagle is the Holy Spirit himself, the Spirit of God. But the two wings, as we've said before in here, are the, works, the work of the Holy Spirit in revealing Revelation, without the Spirit of God, who can know the thoughts of God? But also remembering, bringing to remembrance what he has revealed to us. Jesus said the Spirit of God will bring to remembrance to you what I have spoken to you. We need not only revelation, but we need to remember what we saw. Because you can get revelation on Monday and forget it on Tuesday. And it's as if you didn't get it on Monday. So the, the two wings of the great eagle is, is a work of the Spirit to reveal and to constantly remind. Jesus specifically said one of his main works, he shall bring to your mind, bring to your remembrance all that I've revealed to you. Very powerful work of the Spirit is to bring to remembrance when the, once the revelation comes. So I want to just remind you of some things by the Holy Spirit. Remember this, saints. Remember this sentence. I say this often. To myself. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Think about that, saints. Paul didn't just say, you know, if you, if you trip over some fleshly thing in sin, there's a lot of grace. No, he said when sin abounds... The enemy ever tells you that you've sinned too much or you're too weak or you've got too many problems or you're just a basket case or whatever. You just remember, remember that verse that Paul, the Apostle Paul says, when sin abounds, when there's so much sin you can't even see through it, Paul says in the darkness of that fog, the grace of God abounds all the more. Amen. Remember that, saints. Remember that. And see, the religious think, oh, by God, you're going to give everybody a license to sin. No, the, the saints of God, the children of the king, need to hear that. Because you have a new heart. And the new heart doesn't want to sin. The new heart has no inclination to sin. The new heart is a partaker of the divine nature. The new heart is as his papa, as her papa. So when we do trump, stumble and do, we do trip up, as James says, we all stumble in many ways. Many ways, James says, we all stumble in many ways. Remember, saints, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. It's awesome. Remind yourself of this truth. And remember this, that 
If a son, then an heir. End of story. Galatians says, if you're a son or if you're a daughter of God, you're an heir of God. End of story. It has nothing to do with your performance. When someone dies and they leave an inheritance, the will doesn't say anything about how good someone has acted. Think about that. It's only because of who you are. You're the son of your daddy who passed away and you inherit what your daddy had. You may be a, a nice heir, a good heir, a bad heir, whatever, but you're an heir. And that's why Paul says it's not a matter of wage, but it's an inheritance. It's the word Jesus used when he spoke to Paul on the road to Damascus. He says, go and tell them, open the eyes of the blind. I have done something that brings them the forgiveness of all their sin and an inheritance. An inheritance. So if a son, then an heir. So remember these, just remember these things, saints, and just be encouraged that God's got your back. The enemy accuses. Diabolos wants to accuse you. The darkness wants to set up strategies to make you trip and accuse you. God's got your back. It's awesome. That word diabolos was for somebody here. I don't know why. All right. Let's just jump into Hebrews. Hebrews. I really do believe it's like this letter ought to just shine when you open it up. Who would like to read a scripture for me? Find the scripture that in Hebrews, I believe it's in chapter 8 or 9, but um, it's where it's, it talks about the tabernacle and it says the Holy Spirit signifying that while this was still standing, the Holy Spirit signified that the way into the holiest was not yet made manifest. And the reason why I'm not reading it is because uh, Kobe tore my page out of my Bible. <laughs> But that was, a, that, was, that was a while ago. But I love this Bible. I don't want to... I've got notes in it and everything. So I have two Bibles I use to study Hebrews. The one that I didn't, didn't bring. And this one. But if you can find that... I think it's chapter 8. It's, uh, it starts off... You know, with the, the chapter that begins with the tabernacle, the mercy seat... Um, then it goes down after it describes what's inside the tabernacle, and then it goes down. A few, you got it? Okay, good. Chapter nine, verse eight. Chapter nine. Okay. That's it. Read that one more time, please. That's exactly it. What's the verse again? Chapter nine, verse eight. Okay.
Okay, saints, I believe that verse right there is the definitive verse in the entire letter to the Hebrews. Because what the writer is saying is that as long as something is still standing, the way into the holiest has not yet been disclosed or revealed. And the Holy Spirit is telling us that because of the way it was prepared for the tabernacle was made as a copy of the true one, the scripture says. So what am I saying? I'm saying that the way into the holiest, the way into the holiest is a reference to going beyond the veil, the last veil, the veil that was rent when Jesus died. It's a reference to going into the immediate presence of God. What Hebrews, I believe, in essence, is revealing to us is that the immediate presence of God has come to earth. And that is the same message Jesus proclaimed when he said the kingdom of heaven is within reach. Change your mind. Something wonderful is coming. As long as the first tabernacle was standing... And that says a lot right there because the first tabernacle has to do with the priesthood. And the scripture says in Hebrews, with the change of the priesthood, there must be a change of the law. Everything must change. But if that's still standing, then the immediate presence of God is not yet revealed and cannot be manifested and cannot be experienced. Many Christians still have in their minds an old covenant mentality such that in their experience on earth, the old tabernacle is still standing. What am I saying? The old tabernacle, the old covenant, was a covenant of a daily covering of sins, except for one day of the year, when it was also covered, but it was one day of a year, one day a year, when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year, signifying a day that was coming. That's why it was one day a year, because Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, was a, was a foreshadowing of a day that was coming. And that's why Hebrews says, our high priest did not enter into a tabernacle made by hands. But as long as we feel like our sins are being cleansed on a daily basis. As long as we believe the lie that 1 John 1, 9 teaches us that we have to continually be cleansed on a daily basis and we have to confess our sins every day and we have to name our sins every day and we have to get, stay right with God every day. As long as we have that in our minds, we are not experiencing an open heaven that you have already. It's not that you don't have it. We have it. It's like Jacob. Jacob said, God is in this place, and I didn't know it. He said, oh, my God. He goes, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is the door to heaven. Why did God show Jacob that? Because Jacob, as we've said this before, Jacob is a picture of the new creation, the new man, First the natural, then the spiritual. Esau born first is the flesh, the natural. Jacob born second, the twins, 
Jacob being the new man. That's you and I, a new creation. But we must be awakened. We must be awakened. Kobe and I were watching um, The Lightning Thief yesterday afternoon, uh, Percy and, and The Lightning Thief, you know. It was a great scene in there, you know, when they were, they were seduced to go into this casino and they were given these cookies, you know, and as long as they ate the cookies, they felt like, oh, let's just live here forever. Let's just stay here. And they had, you know, all the girls and they had all the, the pleasure and the casino, the lights. And then he heard the voice of his father and his father is, remember who you are. And he was on a mission and the enemy was trying to distract him from his mission and he was just... It felt so fun and nice just to hang out there. And, and then he stopped eating the cookie, you know, and said, no, I don't want anymore. I don't want anymore. I want to have a straight mind. I want to, I want to hear, you know. And then there's these guys in the casino were going around and they were like with their, you know, the like secret service are going like, there's a trouble, there's trouble. There's one, one's not eating the cookies, you know. <laughs> and then he goes, he go, one, of them, one of the guys goes, profound statement. He goes, we've got a problem. Percy's awake. We've got a problem. Percy's awake. Everybody else was in this slumber, the sleep. God wants us to awaken. Paul says, awake and Christ shall give thee light. The presence of God in you and I and you in him. You realize that Paul spoke a lot about the, the presence within you. Hebrews talks about you going into the presence. A lot of talk in Hebrews about experiencing the presence as you walk the earth. Much like Enoch had. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. There's no other explanation for what happened in the, the book of Acts in many of the, the things that happened. You have, you have men who walked among the sick and their shadow would heal the sick. They were joined to the presence. It was exhumed from their body. It was, it was, uh, it was, it, it was uh, if you could see it in the spiritual, it would be light, rays of light come from their body. Even the demons recognized it. They, they could see it in the spiritual. The demons would say one time in the book of Acts to, the, to those who were using Jesus' name as magic and stuff, they said, we, we don't know you. We don't see any light. We know Paul. We know Jesus. We know Paul. We see the light. See? I tell you, it's awesome. You are awesome. There's a reality within your body in Christ that is constantly flowing out. Jacob God is in this place, and I knew it not. You can walk into a room, Jesus said. Jesus said you can walk into a room, and you can leave the peace of God in that room. You bring the presence. Jesus said when you go into a room, because you're joined to God himself, because of what Christ did, because of what Hebrews is saying, you can walk into a room and and say peace. And Jesus said if they don't receive your peace, it'll come back to you. And you can leave without any fight, dusting the dust off your feet, without condemnation. It's tangible. It's, what I'm trying to say is tangible. Jesus, Jesus would walk into a place and hit peace would fill the room. It's powerful. This is the mindset that we need to have as believers. It's not, it's not just theology. It's not just doctrine. It's not just knowledge. 
of good and evil. It's substance. It's presence. Hebrews is, is opening our eyes. We're like in a slumber. And the letter to the Hebrews is opening our eyes to a very awesome reality. Where sin has been removed and taken away, not just covered, Hebrews 10. For the worshipers, having once been cleansed, should no longer have any consciousness of sin. Not that we don't know when we walk after the flesh. Not that we don't know what sin is. Not that we don't know what is not like Christ. We know all those things. But there's no more consciousness of us being sinners. It's religious double talk to say that your standing is righteousness before Christ, but your state is that you're just a sinner saved by grace. That's religious double talk, and it's not the truth. Paul never separated standing and state. Our standing is that we're righteous before God because of what Jesus did, and our state is a new creation. The reality that we are really righteous, not just imputed righteousness. The old covenant saints had only imputed righteousness. And that's why they descended to Sheol because the work had not been accomplished on earth and the new creation could not come forth until the Christ came. You, saint, have something far better. Hebrews talks about how much better this covenant is than they had. You and I not only had righteousness imputed to us because of your faith, but then God could do a miracle that he could not do until the Christ was raised first, for he must have preeminence in all things. He must be the first man to enter heaven, and he was. But this time, God did something different than he did under the old covenant. Not just imputed righteousness, for now we have been created in Christ Jesus new, a new creation. You're actually righteous. Your state is the same as your standing. But a lack of understanding in how the flesh works in the body, how this power of sin still works in our, the members of our body as the apostles taught, a lack of understanding about that has led the church not to embrace the awesome reality of the new creation, of the new heart. We still have teachers out there teaching the believer to search their heart for sin, search their heart for evil, search their heart for something that they need to change. No, you, if you do search your heart, you'll find a perfect heart. Because he made it so. And Paul says no good thing dwells in our flesh, so don't be searching there, because you'll find it. It's in the flesh. But we're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, which is why the apostle said, set your mind on things above now. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Behold the new creation. Let the spirit of God renew our minds to what is. For the spirit will put to death the deeds of the body. And the new man is manifested. Put on the new man because you are a new man. Put on the deeds of the new man because you already are a new man. Not trying to become a new man, but you are. Anyway, so the first thing is, is to see that the big, the, the big picture, as this is like an introduction to the letter to the Hebrews, the big picture is that Hebrews is tell, telling us the door is open. 
You and I live on earth under an open heaven, 24-7. Paul writes that we now, we now, we now, we now, we now have access to the Father by the Spirit through Christ. Every day. So when the letter to the Hebrews is, is fully grasped, first of all, you'll get free of this concept that I have to get daily forgiveness every day. Amen. The, the book, the letter to the Hebrews, we're going to look at some verses in the weeks to come that are so powerful. It blows away this false teaching that the believer needs to confess his sins daily to stay cleansed or stay forgiven. And we all know now, hopefully by first, looking at 1 John 1, 9, that it's a reference to an unbeliever. An unbeliever needs to realize he's a sinner. They need to agree with God that he needs a Savior. It's just a simple, simple, simple verse that tells people there's hope because God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness if you simply put your faith in him. It's a very simple verse. So this, this reality of just walking without as Clark says, sin not attaching to us. When you stumble, when I stumble and fall as a believer and, and screw up and walk after the flesh, it's, it's just a powerful thing to recall the truth that where there is no law, sin is not imputed. And I'm not under law, but under grace. Paul says... Whatever the law says, it says it only to those who are under it. For what purpose, Paul? That they might get better? That every mouth might be shut. The whole purpose of being under the law is to shut the mouths of the people that say, I'm righteous, I can do this, I, I don't need God, or whatever. It's, so, it's this whole purpose. That sin might become exceedingly sinful. That transgressions might increase, not decrease. But now we are under grace in a whole new mindset with an open heaven so that when we stumble now, we can thank God. We can thank Him. And that's what the covenant meal is all about, to remember Him. There it is again, remembrance, remembrance, remember Him. The bread and the wine to remember that He's already taken away my sin. That's another fallacy we have in the church today. There's so much emphasis at the covenant meal about looking back at your sin, remembering your sin, confessing your sin before you take the covenant meal. That's ridiculous. Paul never taught that. He never taught that. The apostles never taught that. Jesus never taught that. Jesus said, when you eat this bread and drink this wine, you're not to remember sin, you're to remember me, for I've taken away your sin. It's a celebration of what is, that sin has been taken away. Hebrews says that under the old covenant, under that old tabernacle, there's a remembrance of sin all the time, remembrance of sin. As long as that tabernacle is still standing in your thinking, you'll live your life remembering sin but when you see that tabernacle has been removed we remember him for God himself said in Hebrews in this new covenant I will remember your sins no more and we are trying to remember something that God himself has said I will remember it no more I will be merciful to all your iniquities it's much like you know, Sleeping Beauty, the scene in Sleeping Beauty where you have the thorns grew up around her as she was sleeping under the spell. Galatians even says that this whole thing about not being able to grasp this awesome work of Christ is a bewitching. Paul says in Galatians, who has bewitched you? It's spiritual, saints. 
It's spiritual that you have a hard time, that I have a hard time receiving this awesome work of Christ. It's spiritual. It's power. It's the powers of dark. They want you to eat the cookie. And, and just be focused on the, this world and what you see. Paul says, it's not what you see, it's what you don't see. Don't live by what you see, but, but live by the unseen. But it's much like Sleeping Beauty and with the thorns around her in that sleep of the curse, wa- awaiting the kiss of true love to awaken her. And the prince comes, you know, with the sword fighting through the thorns to give her the kiss of true love. And that's what Jesus did for us. Unconditional love. As John says, hereby we perceive the love of God and that he gave himself for us. The kiss of true love. And she awakened. And she was free from the curse. And she began to live. Live. Another thing in Hebrews that we'll see is that it's, it's the one letter that speaks about the conscience more than any other letter in the scriptures. It's the one letter that talks about the conscience more than any other letter. And the reason it speaks a lot about the conscience, dealing with a guilty conscience, the reason Hebrews talks about how to get free from a guilty conscience is because the, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, were used to doing something to remove their sin. They were used to getting a goat or getting a lamb. They were used to walking to a place, a temple. They were used to seeing with their eyes a priest. They were used to going inside a beautiful building. They were used to seeing blood. They were used to doing something to remove their sin. And the writer to the Hebrews is saying, these are mere copies of the heavenly things. And these copies, these buildings, these priestly robes, and these lambs and goats were done for the cleansing of the flesh, but the cleansing of the spiritual must have better sacrifices. And so the heavenly things themselves have been cleansed for us. Not mere copies, but the heavenly things themselves, says in Hebrews. Christ having entered into the very true tabernacle itself, into the realm of God, which now comes back to you in the gift of the Spirit. He goes into the presence of God on our behalf, our anchor beyond the veil, the forerunner, and the Spirit comes back to you, joining you and I to the heavens where we are now seated with Him. The presence is all around you and in you. Sin consciousness is your worst enemy. Think about that, saints. Think about what God did. His God's awesome wisdom. The cross of Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. Why? Because behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. To remove sin consciousness because of what Christ did, that's the wisdom of God and the power of God. Only God could do it and God saw that was all that was needed to remove our sin. When we see that, when we lose a sin consciousness, and begin to grow in, the, in a Christ consciousness more and more. 
We find ourselves doing things we could never do before. We're no longer focusing on trying to fix the flesh. We're no longer focused on techniques, techniques, natural men's techniques to, to uh, short-circuit our thinking in the flesh. And we think, oh, that's, that's, that's the answer. Look, I'm not doing that behavior anymore because I have a technique now. If I do this, I trip up you know, my thinking here. I fool the computer. And then now I can do this. And look at the, look at the results. God says it's garbage. It's dead works. We're tweaking the flesh. We're trying to work the flesh. We're trying to, to manipulate the flesh. When God says, get out of the boat and come to me. Get out of that paradigm. Get out of that whole concept of the natural, of the earthly. You must see that you are now in the presence of God. Now. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. One thing Moses asked God, he said, Lord, wherever I go, may your presence always be with me. And God says, my presence will always be with you, Moses. Moses being a type of Christ. What Jesus brought us needs to get so big in us, in our thinking. It needs to get so huge in us. Amen. And what, you're, what you and I are experiencing at times is a slow infusion from the enemy that brings you to a self-consciousness. A self-consciousness. Sin consciousness and self-consciousness. Who told you you were naked? Adam. Where God, on the other hand, wants us to grow in this God consciousness, a Christ consciousness, as we simply believe. Hebrews talks about entering the rest, chapter 4, and we're going to talk about that, the promise that went through the ages of a rest that was coming, a rest that was coming, a rest that was coming. And all through the years, this rest was spoken of through the scriptures, but it never came until Christ came. Because the work is finished. The true Sabbath is Christ himself. God, as Clark says so many times, God cannot add anything more to the act of creation that took place when he said, let it be. When he created things, he said it is good. And when he created you and I in Christ Jesus, he said it is very good that we should afterwards merely walk in those good works that are already inside of you because that's who you are. No man can take away the good works that are already inside of you. No man can stop you from manifesting your true destiny because it's inside of you. It's not inside of them. Your calling is sure. Your gifts are without repentance, without, without God changing his mind, in other words. The gifts and calling of God are without any change of mind from God because when he creates, he creates. But in order for the real you to get out, we just need to eat often. Eat often of his flesh and drink often of his blood. This is our meal. 
this is our and I'm talking about the bread and wine either. That's, that's great. That's a symbol. I'm talking about in your heart and mind. Always remember, I'm forgiven. Jesus said, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, it's a reference to his death. It's a reference to his death. He goes, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood, they have life. And every time the enemy tries to get you to forget that you're forgiven, you have death working in you. Even though you're in Christ still, you're not... You know, he, the evil one touches you not. I'm not saying that. But you have death working in you when you don't remember. Remember the Holy Spirit reveals and reminds. And your faith muscle and my faith muscle will grow strong. Especially when I blow it. And I worship. When you blow it, you should worship. You should thank him. You should eat his flesh and drink his blood. Satan has no defense against that. And it actually makes the faith muscle, if you can say it that way, stronger, stronger. See, if you're trying to do things like the Jews did to get forgiveness on a daily basis, whether it's confession of sin or going to church or doing some good deed, your faith is never activated. Faith, the law is not a faith. So if I'm doing things to appease my conscience, I'm anemic in the faith. I'm weak in the faith. I feel like I can't eat meat. I feel like I can't drink wine. I feel like I have to have a certain holy day. Paul called those people in Romans weak in the faith. He said, Re- receive these saints. They're just weak in the faith. They feel like they have to do all these things. The strong in the faith should encourage them, he said, and not not reject them. They're just weak in the faith. We think that's strong in the faith. Somebody who doesn't do this and doesn't do that and doesn't do this and goes to church. uh, No, that's Paul said that's weak. That's someone who's weak in the faith because they're living by the seen and not by the unseen. Paul says one man esteems one day above another day. Other man esteems all days alike. Guess Guess which one Paul does or did. All days alike because he didn't even live in this time and space continuum. He wasn't even in this realm. He goes, why are you living as if touch not, taste not, as if you're still living in this world? Don't you see what I'm saying? And then he would, so, he'd be so free, he would go and do some holy day with the Jews that he might become all things to all men that he might save some. He goes, okay, what you got going on? Pentecost? I'll, I'll go to Pentecost. I'll, I'll, that way I can go in and be one of them and talk to them about this unbelievable reality. Let's see, what does it take to get in there? Save our heads? Oh, yeah, save our heads. I don't care. Let's do it. I'll become all things to all men that I might save some. To the Gentile, I'll be like the Gentile. Yeah, let's eat some bacon. (laughs) It's freedom. It's liberty. It's another reality because your heart is trying to reach others to see this reality. It's no more religion. It's no more do's and don'ts. It's no more holy days. It's Christ. To live is Christ. It's a breath of fresh air. It's a blue sky. It's a, it's a new song. It is, it is unbelievable as we just encourage each other in the faith. Big. He's big in us. Let me just read the first few lines of Hebrews. And we'll wrap it up for today. I want to kind of just give an overview of chapter 1 of Hebrews. Chapter 1 of Hebrews. In these first three verses, the writer says everything he's going to say later. It's awesome. 
Chapter 1, and his first word, God. That's why this letter is written very different from all the other letters. It starts off, God. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in son. The word his is not in the Greek. You can see it in italics in your your scripture. He has spoken to us in son. In son. In the son. Whom he appointed heir of all things. Through whom also he made the world. And he, the Christ, the son, is the radiance of his glory, of the father's glory. And the exact representation of his nature, of God. The exact representation of his nature. If you don't see it in Jesus, it's not in God. And oppose all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. From those few words, he begins to expound this awesome purification of all sin and the sitting down of our high priest. And where did he sit? At the right hand of the majesty on high, which means he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And how does that help us? There is no voice, no word, not even your conscience, that is a higher authority than the Lamb who sits on the throne and who says, Come, my my beloved. Come, my fair one. I see no spot in you. Come, run with me. Come, my beloved. Run with me. There is no spot. Thank you. Lord, thank you so much for this reality. Father, I pray that we would see how big you are. Help the letter to the Hebrews just come alive in a new way. Remove all the wrong thinking in our heads about sin and about what you did and who you are. And who we are, may the two wings of the great eagle reveal and remind that we might rest in that place prepared by you. For our life is now hidden with Christ in sight of God, nourished there in another universe, another kingdom, another reality that has come within our bodies by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we radiate now from that place, seated with you, Lord, in heavenly places. Bring the new song to our heart, Lord. Help us hear the music of heaven. Help us hear the music of heaven. 
Help us bring peace in every room we walk into. In Jesus' name.